Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always, and it's a little bit of a slightly planned, maybe more a bit more organized um, edition of the Holtcast compared to Aston Villa Football Club at the moment. Um, if anyone's seen that tweet yesterday that Tom put out, then there you go. You know what we're referencing here. But anyways, we're not here to talk so much about the 3-0 loss to Fulham at Craven Cottage. We're here to talk about Steven Gerrard's sacking as Aston Villa boss. Of course, most of his backroom staff, if not all of them, have also left who the next manager is going to be. We're not really going to discuss too much, but maybe we'll kind of dive into what we want to see and just kind of get some raw reactions in regards to that. I'm sure there's been lots of podcasts already uploading content out there in regards to their thoughts. And I'm sure Neil from For the Love of Paul McGrath has about 30 of them on his um, scouting list to look at from all the way from, I don't know, Nigeria to Algeria. Who knows? Uh, we'll, We'll have to see what comes out in the news and if more comes out there. But anyways, it's a full house here. We have Sebastian here as well, or Seb, I guess you could call him. I don't know why I called you Sebastian. That felt very weird. I always call you Seb. Tom as well, and Simon. I don't know what this intro is, to be honest, but regardless, I'm still kind of surprised um, Jared got sacked, even though I felt like it was only a matter of time. So Tom, let's pass it over to you because I'm just rambling on now. How's it going for you? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, all, all, I don't know, really. Yeah, all right, I guess. <laughs> Hard one to assess in it. Like, during the match yesterday, I had, you know, but once we went 2-0 down, um, I sort of felt weirdly, like, felt strangely calm. Do you know what I mean? Because it was clear that it was going to happen. And I think it's pretty much what we've all wanted to happen. I didn't think we'd, I didn't think it would, we, we'd burn out quite as spectacularly as we did at Craven Cottage, really. Um, like if that was if if this was a different context and like Gerard wasn't on the verge of being sacked and that was just like a general mid-season game under an under a manager that that game alone would almost be enough for you to start questioning a manager's credentials, wouldn't it? Because that was about as bad as it gets. Um, overall, though, honestly, kind of pleased. Like not to be too harsh, um, but there was little to no chance of him turning that around. I think to be quite honest, Um, glad they pulled the trigger now, arguably could have been done even earlier. I know we're quite early in the season. Um, And then I think the key is just like, it all feels a bit desperate for league position, but plenty of time to turn it around really just um, some big decisions ahead. Absolutely. Simon, how's it going for you? Uh, Yeah, not too bad. Um, Similar to Tom, please, to see Gerard finally get the boots. I, I think it, it definitely should have been done a good few weeks ago. I think me and Seb, I can't remember exactly what I think it was maybe before the Leeds or Forest games. I think we we were uh, doing a pod together and I said then that I'd have got rid of him then because I just couldn't see it turning around. Um, and that's, you know, that's basically what's happened. I, I actually fully expected us to melt down like that against Fulham yesterday. I know 
the uh, the so-called experts, you know, like your Graham Souness, Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville, Michael Richards were insisting on telling us all that he would turn it round, he was the right man for the job and that we as fans needed to be realistic and patient. But I'm sorry, it's, it's been dreadful for, for 12 months. Uh, it's all well and good, them saying, or if they play like they did for 20 minutes against Chelsea, they'll be okay against Fulham. But the fact is, we don't play like that. We, we haven't done for a long time. So I think this decision should have been made weeks ago. I'm glad it's finally been done. But now we've just got to wait, I think. I think we're all slightly nervously waiting to see who's going to come in and replace him because any, uh, you know, there was. There's been talk, obviously, the last few weeks of possibly Pochettino, which I think every Villa fan, I don't think there's a Villa fan out there that would have been annoyed with that appointment, but that was always a long shot and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So, yeah, I think it'll be, be an interesting few days ahead and the next imaginable appointment, they they cannot fuck this up. They, they just really can't. So they, they made such a mess with the last one, an unnecessary gamble that's massively backfired. They cannot afford to do that again. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of feels like it's another season of just kind of catching up to be a, a substandard team, to be honest, at this point. But we'll have to wait and see. Seb, how's it going for you? Yeah, I mean, I think the other guys summed it up pretty well. It's never nice to see someone lose their job. However, you know, with some of the stuff that our away fans were chanting last night, you knew that it was was almost game over. The thing that surprised me most is Gerard came out in his press conference after the game and said um, that he was shocked by his team's um, failure to break Fulham down and almost how they capitulated. But um, I, I said it on TalkSport after that you ask any Villa fan if they were shocked by our performance last night and they'd say no. You know, I, I said it in the preview when we recorded before that Fulham is the exact team that we will struggle to break down and will end up resorting to boring football against. And Ultimately, it came to fruition, and that is the reason that Gerard lost his job because ultimately it happened one too many times. Absolutely, and I, I, sh- I should say that I'm not shocked that Gerard left. I think I'm just surprised that it actually happened. I felt like it was one of those things for me, at least, where it was just going to keep churning and churning until it reached toxic toxicity of ridiculous levels. Um, glad that they did it now. I mean, albeit it's only a few days or a couple of days really out now um, ahead of Brentford with Aaron Danks taking charge for the next little bit. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how things progress over the next few days. I mean, let's be honest, we had no clue Danny Ings was signing. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if there's things going on in the background that we've had absolutely no clue. I did see odds of Steve Bruce being put out there to like, of like 66 to one or something like that. So if you want to punt on that, I don't think you're ever getting your money back, but uh Nonetheless, it did make me laugh. Tom, I'll come back to you. I mean, regardless of Fulham, we all know it just hasn't been going well the last, well, basically since Jared came in. And I've I've reiterated this before and mentioned it on this podcast that we've had our own um, external discussions on WhatsApp about kind of Jared coming in initially. And there was a lot of skepticism and a, a lot of questions being asked. And now you really, we sit back and look at it and I, I, I'm not trying to be smug, but I have to say, we our, our gut feelings were probably right, weren't they? <laughs> I've seen, you know what? I've seen some really um, bizarre narratives on social media in the twenty four hours uh, since Jarob was 
act from and it's not just from like the pundits who are players who used to play with Gerard, like because that's predictable enough in it. Like you got players and pundits coming out and, and and defending him. But even just from people like national football writers and that sort of stuff, I've seen this weird narrative that like Gerard never never stood a chance at Villa. So what what are you talking about? It's not even remotely accurate. Like you you walk in, he's utterly backed, like backed to the hilt. Like January, he was backed, but like you know, brought Coutinho in, great. Like it's got Perslow. Like what what other manager at a Premier League club has like a CEO who is almost um, sycophantically in their corner? Do you know what I mean? Like their Perslow and Gerard's relationship is like stepdad and stepson. It's not like CEO and manager. Like nobody else had has the luxury of having that in their job in the Premier League. This it's like this stuff about him coming in and being doomed to fail. And then the, the other side of it is like a sitting narrative about he came in and fans never took to him. Fans never gave him a chance. Sorry, it's like it's bollocks. Because when we appointed him, I was one of many who was very anti the appointment of Gerard. Uh, based on managerial credentials, based on that weird little relationship between Perslow and Gerard, based on the fact I did not think he was in any way the right kind of man to lead us forward after the, the three years we'd had under under Dean Smith. Um, but then the thing is, is that in the early weeks, he was starting to change my mind, you know, because in the early weeks, I thought he spoke very well, conducted himself very well, we got a bit of a new manager bounce, but it felt like even there were a couple of times, particularly a couple of games where it felt like a lot more than just new manager bounce. It felt like, oh, this is a guy with ideas. This is, you know, and you remember all that stuff about being a bit stricter on the training ground, stricter in the canteen at the training ground, like higher standards on and off the pitch. That was all the talk. And I was like, you know what? This is, could be exactly the kind of thing we need to lift us out of the malaise. Um and then it just started to unravel. It became obvious that the tactics weren't the tactics that he was bringing from Rangers, bombing fullbacks, like midfield, dropping deep to cover those fullbacks, like that narrow front three, like all that stuff he brought from Rangers became apparent, wasn't really translating very well. So stubborn. Well, I don't know if it's stubborn or inept, but stuck to it. You know, it's that thing playing the same midfield three over and over again. Why? You know, managers are supposed to try different things, supposed to work on things on the training ground. How many times have we talked about there's no semblance of an attacking pattern in our play? Um, and then the, the the worst thing about it is that once that started to unravel, I felt like he his true colours started to come out a little bit, actually. Nastiness in the press, throwing players under the bus. Um, so I don't give any weight at all to this theory that he never stood a chance at Villa or that fans never took to him. I, I, I smacks of people, it smacks of like journalists who ha- in fairness have no real requirement to pay attention to Villa anywhere near as closely as we do. But then if you don't pay attention to Villa week to week, don't comment on something you don't know anything about. Do you know what I mean? And so uh, th- that that's the thing with me, like as tre- trepidation at first when we, when we appointed him was starting to warm to him a little bit. And he leaves as possibly the Villa manager in my lifetime, or certainly in recent memory that I dislike the most. Dislike him more than your Lamberts, your McLeishes, your Bruce's. Um, and it's that it was that lethal mixture, I think, from Gerard of arrogance and I don't want to say incompetence, 
but substandard managerial ability. And when you mix those two things together, dangerous game. Simon, do you think it's a case with Jared that he just became his own worst enemy? Do you think that's fair to say, or do you think it's more than that? Uh, I certainly think his actions and the way he conducts himself hasn't helped him at all. I mean, Tom is completely right there that this idea that he was never liked from the start is is absolute horseshit. Like it, the fans were were well on board, and and even when you saw in January with you no know, signing like Coutinho and Dina, it was like okay, you know, this manager's got a bit of status about him. We're able to bring in these sort of high profile players, and even in the summer, like getting Bubakar Kamara in, like that. Let's be honest, Gerard played a big part in that. So there's no, yeah, that notion of you know, fans not being on board is, is nonsense. But then, yeah, in terms of being his own worst enemy, I think there's a real um, sort of logic to that thread. I mean, I think, well, I, I think most people would agree now that the uh, decision to take the captaincy off Tyrone Mings and give it to John McGinn was a huge mistake. Now, as I think I've said before, I'm not against the concept or the theory of a manager coming in and wanting to appoint his own captain. That's absolutely fine. I've no problem with that whatsoever. However, there was, for me, no real obvious candidate other than maybe Martinez to in that squad that you could take the captain from Mings from and give it to another player. And that was never really going to happen because, I mean, I, goalkeepers as captains is very rare. It's not something I particularly want anyway. <clears throat> so that was obviously mishandled badly. And then... Not only that, then the subsequent treatment of Mings to drop him for that Bournemouth game, which we lost, and then his response to come out and have a go at Tyrone Mings was another massive misstep. I think he completely... I I, I think he probably thought yeah, the fans would be on board with this. Maybe, you know, he's showing leadership because... If you if you go on social media, you'd be forgiven for thinking that everyone you probably think every Villa fan hates Mings, whereas in reality, I actually think he's quite a popular figure amongst the fan base in general. So that was never going to going to go well, and and then you sort of follow that up with any bad performance or defeat. There's no there's no accepting any responsibility for himself for for things going wrong. He's always blaming the players now. Don't get me wrong, there are certain times, there's been certain games where the players haven't, in fact, they're actually the majority of games this season, the players haven't performed well. But the response from any manager is not to to have a go at the players. And it, it, like he got to the stage where it wasn't even like he was, you know, saying, oh, the players need to, you know, do better. He's, he's naming individuals in, in post-match <laughs> interviews. And like, I, I just, I don't see what part of you thinks that's going to that's going to play well and again whether that's a lack of experience or just a, a lack of ability as as a manager i think i think his man management skills over the last 6 to 8 months have, have been nothing short of abysmal really and yeah he's um he's he's definitely not helped himself along. I, I think they, they're all these are all things that that add up to many different reasons as to why he's ultimately lost lost his job. But he um, he could have definitely helped himself by by not doing stuff like that and and sort of. In, I'm not saying endear yourself to the fans in terms of you know be all oh, you know you guys are great. I love you or anything like that. But show 
shows some sort of connection with the fan base. It, I don't know how you guys feel, but it felt to me that he had nothing but complete disregard and contempt for the fans and just didn't really give a shit about what we thought about anything. And, you know, when, when you've, when you've, when you're comparing that with the previous manager who, you know, Deep Smith was a Villa fan and that, that in itself isn't necessarily like a major thing, but you felt that there was, there was a connection. You, you felt like he, he understood at least what the fans wanted, what they expected. And it just, yeah, maybe going back to one point someone's mentioned about Gerard's arrogance, almost like, I don't know, he almost felt like he, he felt that he was better than the club and that we were almost lucky to have him in a way. And I think that, you know, when you mirror that with what's going on on the pitch, it's, uh, it wasn't, it was never going to be a recipe for success. And, yeah, I mean, I'm just rambling here now, so I'll let Seb come in. He's probably more coherent than I am. I mean, well, I, I wouldn't go that far. But like you said about Tyrone Mings and the whole situation, there's certain players at certain clubs where, as a manager, the first thing you do if you want success is get those certain players on side. And I'd believe that Tyrone Mings for Aston Villa is one of those players because I think the players as a group look up to him and respect him a lot as does the fan base you're always going to have people who vary their opinions but I think as a whole Simon said it correctly that you know most of the fan base respects Mings for for what he does and how he carries himself there were certain aspects of Gerard in which I think he got spot on some of the things he said when he first came to the club I really got on board with and one of the things that sticks out to me was Martinez made a mistake dropping Bruno Fernandez's shot into the net against Man United Steven Gerrard came out on Instagram the next day with his son in a Martinez kit with some sort of caption like my goalkeeper or something like that. And I remember coming on here and going, that is brilliant. That is exactly what we need. But there wasn't enough of that. It's almost as if someone, you know, I'm guessing that new managers will have their friends who, you know, in the business, tell them what's good and what's not. And it's almost like someone was saying, yeah, that would be a good thing to do because it didn't happen enough. There was too much of the not coming over to away fans when we lost, not coming over to the whole end when we lost, which is, you know, unacceptable in in its own right. But like again, the boys, the boys summed it up quite well that he he carried himself in the wrong way. And was it Neil Warnock that said earlier that? As a manager, if you're not liked, it's almost a recipe for disaster. Fans will accept playing not great football and playing boring football if you win football matches or even if you have a relationship with the fans, if they feel as though they can get behind you as a person. But not only were we playing rubbish, boring football, we were losing matches as well and the fans couldn't get behind the Steven Gerrard ethos. So... It almost felt like a hat-trick of errors and, again, ultimately a hat-trick that ended up losing his job for him. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, the other thing, too, like it's kind of interesting when you look at the last 12 months, and I think the biggest telltale sign for me was whatever, and I still to be honest, don't know what style or brand of football Steven Gerrard's teams like to play, to be honest. But uh, marauding fullbacks was basically found out after, what, three or four games? And ever since then, we've basically been trying to catch up or figure something out. The thing that always stuck out for me the most, to say the least, would be just the instances where I felt like under Dean Smith, he was very protective of the players in the in interviews. It was putting on himself. Uh, being very kind of conscientious of that, which at the at the very end of his time at Villa became very frustrating. We wanted that honesty. The thing I liked about Jared was the honesty. Now, the biggest kind of turning sign that I really saw with him was as soon as the losses started to string together, it was, okay, the honesty is, to be honest, is turning into arrogance and is turning into almost unanswered cockiness for me and what i mean by that is it's like you guys have all kind of mentioned it's throwing players under the bus it's telling them that they they have to be more creative or accountable or coutinho has to be more magical and buendia has to do x y and z and ollie Watkins scored this many goals a couple seasons ago so he just has to do that it's all well and good to say that but for me and it's been clear for 10 plus months that whatever's been going on in the training pitch doesn't seem to correlate over to the actual games. And that that's the biggest telltale sign. Now let's switch kind of viewpoints a little bit, because we could probably go on and on about Steven Gerrard for ages. And I don't want to make this a very long podcast. Now we don't, we're not going to discuss potential um, incomings in terms of a, a managerial candidate or their coaching staff or anything like that. If you if you want to go on social media, there's been a number of uh, potential suitors, I guess you could say, that are more realistic and probably 10,000 more that are unrealistic that'll probably come out within the next little bit. But Seb, I'll throw this right back your way and put you under the hot seat first. In terms of a manager that comes in, of course, now we're sitting in late October, and, but realistically, by the time the manager comes in, I wouldn't be shocked if Aaron Danks is in charge a little bit past Brentford because they need to get this appointment, right? So we'll say manager comes in, start in November. I mean, the season isn't lost by any means, but there's a hell of a lot of work to do to get confidence back, get tactics set, get game plans kind of put in minds and just to really reinvigorate this side and to get the... I wouldn't say potential, but to get the skill set that a lot of these players have out of them and showing on the pitch. Now, that was a very long-winded thing to say, but what are you looking for in a manager and what would you want to see? Wow, what a question. Um, there's been, <laughs> no pressure. Um, there, well, there's been a lot said about a big name. Um, however, it's useless having a big name if they're a rubbish football manager. Um, so it's really difficult because I feel as though we've got to that stage now where 
There's limited availability. There's a lot of clubs in the market looking for a manager. Um, like you said, I think we've got to take our time. We can't rush it. Just be- just because there isn't anyone there doesn't mean that you know we we have to scramble or we have to rush. Look at Bournemouth, for example. They've had Gary O'Neill, and I think they've lost one out of six games with him as manager. So, you know, I feel as though we'll get that bounce this weekend. It'll be interesting to see whether the players really pick up this weekend because I think Aaron Danks can almost serve as a, a new manager bounce almost while whilst we look for that position. I think letting the shackles off almost and giving the players some freedom is exactly what they'll need, especially back home at Villa Park. So I'm quite excited to see from that this weekend. However, I, I know I, I've completely ignored your question about what I'd look for in a manager, but um, I think it's really difficult because every single manager has their their different qualities. But what I'd like is for Villa to sustain some sort of pathway. You look at Brighton, they Graham Potter left. Obviously, that's not what they wanted, but they had a plan in place. All I want to see is a clear plan in place from Villa, a clear vision of where we want to go and then move forward with that plan. I don't want to hear two different completely names. For example, someone like, I don't know, Pochettino who plays attacking football and then the next minute we're after Sean Dyche, two completely different you know, ethoses. So as long as we know where we want to go as a club and we move in that direction, then that's all I can hope for. Absolutely. Good. Tom, go ahead, sorry. Going back to Seb's point about like maybe getting a bit of a new manager bounce, a bit of a caretaker manager bounce at the weekend. Like, I think the player is going to feel pretty much the same as we're going to feel as fans. Yeah, I put something. I, I put something on social media earlier when I, this morning, like first thing this morning, about you know I woke up today and the, the main thing I thought was I'm looking forward to a Villa game again Sunday, Brentford at home. Looking forward to that. And I'm because uh, I'm I'm back in a position now where like the disconnect, the Gerard disconnect was a really real thing. We've 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 kind of mentioned it in passing on this pod, but I know for a fact I'm not alone. I think everyone on this pod's felt it. I think pretty much everybody associated with Villa has felt it at, at least some point over recent months. Like you're never entirely numb to Villa as a Villa fan, but there are times where your passion is diluted by certain factors. And Steven Gerrard as manager was definitely one of those factors. I'm just looking forward to being able to like go back to almost sort of kicking every ball with Villa again, because I haven't really felt like that for months. Um, and then I think, you know, if we can, in terms of getting so what I want from a, like a manager, I suppose it all, it all, it all speaks to that and carrying that forward. Right. Like I, I don't, one thing that concerns me is talk. So Ashley Priest reported something earlier. Um, I don't know whose terminology it was. I don't know if it's terminology that he used or whether it's terminology that was like quoted verbatim from the club. Uh, but there's this talk about bringing in a manager who's going to excite the fans. Can I be like, can I be completely honest? Like, I just want a real manager this time. Honestly, like we'd all love a manager who's really exciting. Obviously, love to win every game. We can Villa can score four goals a game, go home happy every week, great. But life's not like that. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't tick every box. And all I really want is a manager who is, to be quite frank, qualified for the job. A manager who is competent enough 
to have a direct effect on the way that we play, both on the training ground and in-game management. And above all, like we need somebody who's going to bring stability and unity to the Villa camp now. Because I think I came on here after the Chelsea game. When we were midway through, I mentioned it on the Chelsea game, I mentioned it before the Chelsea game, we were midway through that swing that every single Villa fan who's ever watched Villa for any length of time could see coming. 45 good minutes against a big team, then go and shit the bed three days later against a, against a poorer team. Like, I've seen this film lots of times before. I hate it, but I keep watching it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and, and I came on, I think, after, after, the, Chelsea, after the Chelsea game, um, and I was talking about the need for moving, you know, mo- moving forward and bringing and bringing unity to the camp, because there's rarely been periods in Villa's recent history where the spirit of the club and the heart of the club has been eroded so much over short, such a short space of time. Um, and I just think with so much of the season left. There is absolutely no reason with the squad that we have that we should be in this position come February, let alone May, with the squad that we have. All it takes is, genuinely, I really believe that all it takes is a competent manager to get at least some of these players firing. Because like, not even everybody has to be firing on all cylinders at once. Just we don't need, we just need somebody, <laughs> you know what I mean? We can't we have every player. In... young firing is yeah. what we need. We can't have every player in bad form or every player short of confidence. And that is what Gerard did to us. Um, and so, you know, as, uh, all this is to say is that as long as we can bring some sense of unity, some sense of stability, I genuinely think at least in the short run, we'll, we'll be fine. And so that's why I kind of agree with Seb. I don't really see the need to jump into appointing a manager quickly. Um, because I'm kind of hopeful that just getting rid of Gerard is going to have been enough to get a bit of a lift. It's been enough for fans to get a bit of a lift. And I know it's been pretty bloody obvious that not every Villa player was a big fan of the guy who was bossing them around the training pitch every day. So it's got to be some Villa players who are feeling pretty lifted right about now, to be honest, regardless of the manner of result. Um, So let's see it on Sunday. Do you know what I mean? Let's see it on Sunday. Let's see it in the next few weeks. And then, we, you know, don't forget, we've got a six, seven week break coming up in like a month's time can be a lot of culture reset and a lot of that sort of stuff going on during that time. For now, let's just get, get ourselves a bit of a lift and improve our situation and everything's going to turn out all right. Well, we'll have to wait and see what that means for the likes of Morgan Sanson and uh, Freddie Gilbert. The fact that this still boggles my mind that we played Esri Kahn's at right back and we have a fully fit right back playing with the what under 23s or whatever it is just anyways i don't know what exactly is going on there and why maddie cash didn't start i don't know if that that why that came out or if it did or not but uh yeah that just kind of speaks to the volumes of what what it was like under gerard but the one thing i did want to also mention before i bring it over to simon and get his thoughts was i i always liked the term that tom mentioned an exciting manager like, what do people really honestly, like, I, I get the whole play style thing, and I'm not trying to be humorous here, but we've had exciting managers in the past. We all remember Tim Sherwood. He was funny. He said funny things. There was a little bit of kind of just a, a craziness to the way that his Villa sides play, and it was quite entertaining. 
to go all the way to an FA Cup final, then eventually get smashed and everything fell apart, of course. But I don't, I don't know. Again, I kind of, to reiterate what Tom was saying, I'm not saying I want a, a Sean Dyche or, or a Neil Warnock or a Steve Bruce or a, a pair of save of hands as I guess you would say as a Sam Allardyce or something of the past, but it would just be nice to have someone that's competent, knows what they're doing. And if we can do the simple things right and build upon that, I would be very much appreciative of that. But uh, Simon, I'll, I'll throw this your way. If you want to kind of let us know a quality or two you like to see in a manager and any other thoughts you have. I mean, similar to, to what the guys have already said, just a manager who, who has a clear defined style of play because I think Gerard sort of had that for eight or nine games. And then once the, you know, marauding fullbacks got worked out, there was just nothing. So, you know, a, a manager who, yeah, who, who at least has that would be a pleasant start. Um, someone who can recognize that Douglas Louise is not a halt midfielder. I mean, I think that, that would be a big bonus. I know, I know that sounds like a crazy thing to say as our previous two managers didn't work that out. But <laughs> maybe the next one will. Um, yeah, I mean, it's nothing more to add than just what the guys have said, really. You want someone, I think Tom made a good point, someone who's actually qualified for the job. You know, I just it cannot be another gamble. And I mean, there's different ways of defining a managerial appointment as a gamble. I mean, this... Uh, the Sporting Lisbon manager, I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I had no idea who this guy was until about one o'clock this afternoon. Never heard of him before. I don't pay any attention to Portuguese football. Why would I? I'm a Villa fan. We've got no chance of playing any European teams. You're only big in Denmark. Soon. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, if you want to talk about the new Molder manager, Bobby, man. But um, <laughs> no, like, so. Appointing him, I mean, he may well be brilliant for all I know. I've no idea, but that could be seen as a gamble. Is it a gamble worth taking? You know, it, if he was to come in, who's to say? So you kind of, I don't want to see another gamble in the way that Gerard was a gamble. Someone that a first, it's just going to say that a first Premier League job. I'm not not necessarily you need to appoint a manager who's got Premier League experience. I think that could help just because of the situation we're in at the moment, which isn't great. But as has been mentioned by the other lads, it shouldn't really take an awful lot to get that squad going again. Like I, I, I think most people. I'm not just talking about Villa fans. Like I, I mean, I mean, you know, mates of mine who don't support the club. Virtually all of them have said, you know, looking at your squad, you should bare minimum, and I'm talking bare minimum, be 10th with that squad. So it really, I don't think that it, it would take an awful lot to turn it round. There's, there's a confidence issue there at the moment, but that I think, uh, as has been alluded to, I, I don't think the players are, were devastated last night to hear that news. I, I, you know, I think that that should give it an instant lift that, that he's no longer at the club. Um, you know, but you, similar like you, you mentioned Morgan Sands on there. I personally have always been impressed whenever I've seen him play. I, I've always thought there's there's clearly a talented footballer there. He just needs a run of games. Um, but obviously, something has happened with him and Gerard. But you know, you'd like to think whoever manager comes in, there's a 
there's a good squad of players. There's a squad full of international footballers who aren't performing as they should be at the moment. But a competent manager who has, uh, I think the big thing is a clearly defined style of play. Like people saying, oh, you know, Arteta, he, they gave him time. You know, you can uh, maybe Villa should be giving Gerard time. The difference is with Arteta at Arsenal, you could see what he was trying to do. You could see that there was um, an element of the players there, like Bamiang and people like that, that he needed to ship out. And you could see, he, right, we're going with young players. We're going to have a, a dodgy season. But you like you could see what the pros, the whole joke was also, it was always, you know, trust the process, trust the process. But you could see what it was. You couldn't see over the last, certainly I'd say since probably mid-January, February onwards, you could just, you could not see what the plan was at Villa. So, yeah, but, but the long and short of it is hey, a manager who has got a plan and you can, and when you listen to them, you believe that they actually know what they're doing, that, that there is a long-term plan. I think that that's got to be the key. And like, similar to what the guys have said, um, there's no need to, I'd, I'd rather spend two, three weeks to make sure they get the right guy in than think, Jesus, we need someone in by next weekend and just disappoint just anyone. I mean, if you look at what's going on at Wolves at the moment, I think they've been, must be, what, three or four weeks now since they've had a manager. And, you know, it's, it's not going great for them. But at least I, I would still rather take your time to get the right person whilst there's still so much of the season left to go. You know, it's not like we're in you know, middle of February, early March, and we're like properly panicking, thinking we need someone to come in now. There's a long time. Which, you know, the mad thing is we're still, what, two or three wins away from, from getting into the top half. Like it's, That sounds like a flippant thing to say, but that's it's not an impossible task for the squad of players we've got. So, yeah, just take the time and get the right person in. Just to, like, just quickly, like a final point on that, taking your time and being patient side of it. Another facet of that is like, this is do or die now for Christian personally, for me. Mm. Like do or die. I didn't. I, I don't agree with the thing of like with Gerard going, Perslow should be going as well. I, I think that's a bit strong because what what I don't Christian Perslow makes me a little bit uneasy, if I'm being honest. But what he definitely is is a very very sharp commercial mind. That's undoubted. I think like the way he looks at the game. Like the way he looks at running a football club, like commercially, is is excellent. Really, like undoubtedly, profile. Like he wants to the t- steps he's taking to grow the profile, like the redevelopment of Villa Park. Like looking for a, I agree with this thing of like look, looking for a network of clubs to be affiliated with. Like that, all these things are how you grow. But like footballing wise, it's a series of bad decisions. Christian Perslow's time here so far, he got Suso wrong you know, Pitarch when he was our director. He got Suso wrong. There's a strong, strong argument that he's got Johan Langer wrong because name the signing who's worked out well, really, you know, that we think is a Langer signing. Gerard was an absolute vanity project from day one. Um, and then even like Smith, he lucked out with the appointment of Dean Smith because Dean Smith was miles away from being his first choice. We got turned down by several people before we turned to Dean Smith. And in my opinion, Perslow got very, very lucky with, you know, with, with how, how things turned out under Dean Smith. Um, he bungled, Perslow bungled replacing Grealish. 
pushing through that Danny Ings signing, it seems purely so he could drop the news of that signing on the day of Jack leaving or the day after Grealish left. Um, and I think most Villa fans would agree that Danny Ings like a, like, always liked him as a player, but absolutely flew in the face of our recruitment strategy up to that point. We still haven't found a place for him. It hasn't worked out so far, at least. Um, decision after decision from Perslow, football-wise, has not gone well. Um, so do I feel 100% confident in Christian Perslow leading the search for our next manager? No. Do I think that Christian Perslow in a perfect world should be phased out of making the footballing decisions at Villa? Yeah. I think he's a great guy to have around on a commercial, the commercial side of things, but I'm damned if I want him picking managers and advising on transfer signings and that sort of stuff because it's just a, a long road stretching out behind us of bad decisions. So... That's the main concern for me moving forward with the appointment. And I think that if things don't go right over the next 12 months, it might be time to close that chapter. Yeah, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But let's, uh, I think we'll wrap things up there, guys, because I know uh, Simon has to get a few beverages um, down his uh, gullet very, very shortly. So we'll, we'll keep things somewhat brief there, as, or as brief as, I guess, us folks on the whole cast can keep things, which isn't very brief. But regardless of that, we will have to wait and see what happens. But before we do go, I'm putting everyone on the spot here, even myself, but I'm going to go last because I edit this, so I'm allowed to have the most time to think about it. I want a three-word summary on how you're feeling post Gerard right now Tom I'll, I'll go with you first I'm feeling like right now in this moment can I just say that's more than three words um I would say relieved move on fair enough Seb how about you oh no um that's only two. Oh no <laughs> <laughs> that's four if you if you add those together um and oh, good three Oh, I'm not very good at being thrown under the bus. I like it when I'm the host and I can ask these sorts of questions. Um, go to Simon. Go to okay. Simon. Simon, you're up. Uh, uh, so how I'm feeling right now is better than yesterday. All I'm going to say is freedom, freedom, freedom. Um, I've taken that from a song. But anyway, Seb, you have to answer now. So go ahead. <laughs> um, I'd go for sunrise is coming. There we go. Oh, another one actually would have been good is Here Comes the Sun. Oh, wait, that's four. Never mind. No. Oh, wait, that's three. Here comes. No, that's four. No, yeah. that's okay. four. Honestly, yeah. Cole, your, your, first suge- your first suggestion was technically one word and your second one was four words. <laughs> no, yeah, but it was it was three. Unbelievable. It was, it was yeah, but I edit this. I can do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be very difficult to edit at the end of this. But anyways, yeah, we'll leave it there. Uh, hopefully we should have a post-match reaction uh, coming to everyone bright and early on Monday post-Brentford. Hopefully it's a little bit more positive. Um, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. And hopefully Aaron Danks has the likes of Leon Bailey flying and actually able to control the ball and hit it on target uh, more so than uh, having it absolutely leave um the the playing field or a stadium but anyways we'll leave it there and don't forget up the villa
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.